BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey everyone, uh, David Brody here. Welcome back. Uh, Pod's Honest Truth. I'm sorry, my bad. I forgot the the, the Pod's Honest Truth. I can't even get the name of my podcast correct, which is not a good sign. Uh, hope you're well. Uh, but look, it, this is going to be a, a great podcast. We've got so much to talk about, so I better get to it because I do have something called, uh, as my wife and mother and kids all like to say, verbal diarrhea. I'm sorry. I, I mentioned that word in the first 30 seconds of the podcast, but it's true. Um, so much news, obviously. The impeachment trial sucking up most of the news headlines, obviously. But there really is another story we need to be paying attention to. That is the Middle East peace plan. Yeah, here we go again. It's moving forward. Uh, you know, what's most notable here, though, it really does give both sides a framework for negotiation, actually more than a framework. We'll get into that in a moment. Uh, and obviously, uh, this just in, you got to compromise a little. Uh, and we're going to talk about that today with none other than the U.S. Ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. I sat down with him recently in D.C., so we're going to talk to him in a minute. We shared a falafel. That's not true. We didn't share a falafel. I wish... I'll be honest with you. I was thinking about falafel uh, throughout the interview, uh, hence why it's not that great of an interview. No, it's a great interview. Trust me. It's a, we're going to get to that in a moment. But look, I want to tell you about the podcast here. This is the Pod's Honest Truth. It is part of a new project. You may have heard of it out there. Just the News. Com. Just the news, new digital news site. We're dedicated to giving you the facts. We're not going to spin you at all. There's going to be some investigative news. We'll have some video on the site. A lot of content that other news organizations really aren't going to cover or dig up in the same way. So this is going to be about real facts, not opinion. So when you think about real facts and not opinion, uh, cue my colleague, John Solomon, because he's got that new podcast as well on the Just the News Network. And it's called John Solomon Reports. And if you care about the impeachment investigation and all the real events around Ukraine and the real story about Burisma and Hunter Biden, all of that, you need to check it out. He's on top of it every single day. And of course, on this podcast, uh, The Pod's Honest Truth, I, you know, I should get some money for saying that every single time. I don't know who I'm yelling at. There's, there's nobody here with me. But every time I say The Pod's Honest Truth, I feel like I should get like they should send a check to my home. Uh, but I want to explore, obviously, what's going on at the intersection of culture, religion. I want to give you a clear eye of the issues uh, there. We'll do it with some fun, with some humor. I mean, look, we don't take ourselves too seriously here, but we do have facts and information uh, al uh, along the way. And there's a lot of topics right now in the cultural and religious crosshair. So it's kind of like a water cooler discussion that we'll have here uh, that I really want you to weigh in on as well. You can uh, give some feedback. Just go to justthenews.com uh, or uh, check, check us out on all different platforms. Uh, anyhow, we're going to talk about the conflict between Israel and Palestine. And, and let's get into that right now, because we're, I want to get to this uh, interview with Ambassador David Friedman, fascinating guy. And I'll tell you more about him in a moment. Uh, I grew up Jewish. He's Jewish, obviously. <laughs> this just in. The U.S. ambassador to Israel is Jewish. Uh, shocking. Uh, that's a fact, by the way. No spin. Um, 
And I'll tell you about that connection in a moment. But regarding the peace plan, look, it's detailed, 80 pages or so. And it does come with conditions. I think that's important. You know, um, there's this two-state solution. Uh, so not only is there a two-state solution, but statehood is going to come with conditions. I mean, for example, Hamas, you got to stop it. Islamic Jihad, you have to disarm, all of that. And you have to stop paying terrorists. How about that? That's a novel idea uh, because they're carrying out attacks on Israelis. So, so there are some conditions. Uh, and also there's a four-year window, which I think is interesting here. In other words, you got a runway of four years. The Palestinians have time to think about this, but more importantly, uh, some pressure potentially on the Palestinians to come to the table because right now uh, they, they have no desire to do this uh, at all. Uh, so we'll get to that in a moment, too. But look, the truth of the matter is the, the Trump administration is going to need neighboring Arab states to buy in. So it was interesting to see at that Tuesday press conference with the or I should say uh, the unveiling of the peace plan when the president announced it, there were ambassadors from the United Arab Emirate, uh, Emirates, excuse me, Bahrain, Oman. Uh, they were in attendance and also Let's take note of Saudi Arabia and Egypt and uh, Qatar have also put out supportive statements encouraging the Palestinian leadership to at least begin the talks. And, and that's part of the game here, you know, to get the Gulf states on board, put pressure on the Palestinians, give them a four year window and see what happens. But let's be honest, the Palestinians, hey, they don't trust Trump. They don't trust the Israelis. Uh, they don't trust uh, a lot of folks out there. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Uh, Donald Trump moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. He halted funding for the U.N. Palestinian Refugee Agency. Uh, that was about a $200 million hit for Palestinian refugees, the way they see it. And of course, the United States recognized the Golan Heights as part of Israel. So, you know, you put it all together and why in the world would the Palestinians want to give this a shot? But, uh, you know, Jared Kushner, who put the plan together with David Friedman uh, and the Trump administration, they're taking the long view here. They think they can get there eventually. We will see about that. It's questions, of course, I ask David Friedman. So we're going to pay some bills when we come back from the commercial break. We'll talk to Ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. Back in a moment. Deborah's home was stolen. No, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity, gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need Home Title Lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Welcome back, folks. All right, now Ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. Before I begin, I want to thank my uh, colleagues at the Christian Broadcasting Network, CBN News, for making this interview happen. We did this on Wednesday, the day after the press conference by President Trump. We did it over there at the White House, actually at the uh, old executive office building. Uh, in Wednesday afternoon, uh, me and David Friedman, you know, it's interesting. I grew up Jewish, uh, Upper West Side of New York. He grew up on Long Island. Uh, and so I got to tell you, he's like in his early 60s. I'm in my mid 50s. 50s and 
it, it was like my uncle at the Passover Seder. I mean, that's how I felt. I, I, I literally felt like I was in a room in the high holy days and, and the whole thing, and I was ready to uh, drink the fourth cup of wine. Uh, look, look it up if, if you're not Jewish or... Even if you're not Jewish, you might know a few two, a few things about the fourth cup of wine. Uh, but anyhow, it really was, he was like my uncle at the Seder. He's the guy that like hid the Afikoman. Uh, once again, Google that uh, as well. So it was, uh, we bonded over that, but then of course we needed to get down to brass tacks and talk about this Mideast peace plan. So let's pick it up at the beginning of the interview. Here it is. Ambassador David Friedman, good to see you, sir. Good to see you, David. Thanks for having me. Uh, Look, you know, growing up Jewish, uh, I, the Seder table, why is this night different from all other nights? Uh, the peace plan, why is this peace plan different from all other peace plans? This has been tried before. Sure. Why could this potentially be successful? Well, if you go back in time at all the failed peace plans, the roadmaps, the protocols, Camp David, Y River, Oslo, um, I would defy you to wade through that massive material and actually find out who's getting what. What are people delivering? What are they receiving? Uh, what this plan does is it presents a hard offer to the Palestinians, the first they've ever received, the first time Israel's ever identified with, specific, with specificity what are the territorial dimensions within which they're willing to live side by side with the Palestinian state. What are the terms under which they will accept a Palestinian state? What are the security protocols under which they will live next to a Palestinian state? So it's a really hard offer for the Palestinians. And on top of that, Palestinians have four years to claim the prize. For tough years, they have to, in that period, stop the malign activity. Hamas has to disarm. Islamic Jihad has to disarm. Uh, they have to stop paying terrorists. They have to stop inciting hate. They have to develop a system of laws with the rule of law, mm -hmm. freedom of press, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. So there's, there's a pathway to Palestinian statehood, but it holds the Palestinians accountable if they want to join the community of nations, they have to do so on terms that are not threatening to Israel nor the United States. How is this going to be possible with a, a, a Palestinian leadership that just doesn't show up at the negotiating table? I mean, look, they've been given, or in this proposal, $50 billion in investment. Uh, East Jerusalem is the capital, two-state solution. How do, how do they even get there at this point? They don't, they don't trust Trump. They don't trust uh, folks coming from this administration. Well, look, this was designed to, if not regain or obtain the trust of the leadership, at least to obtain the interests uh, of the Palestinian people. Hmm. Look, the leadership has failed the Palestinian people for generations. They've become pawns in larger conflicts, and uh, the leadership has shown itself to be very adept at uh, misdirecting the resources of the territory to their own pockets. And so uh, the fact that they're not jumping for joy right now is not a great surprise to us because they thrive. Their, their business plan is to continue to foment this hatred. Um, but the people of, uh, within the territories, they are um, suffering. And they do have the internet. And when the Bahrain peace plan came out, the economic part of the peace plan, there were over a million hits within the Palestinian uh, communities. Mm. Uh, I think we'll have even more here. We're translating it to Arabic. They can read it. They can understand the future this presents for them. So that was David Friedman, the first part of our interview. We've got a few more uh, clips of it to come. As a matter of fact, we're going to play the whole interview, and that's the beauty of the podcast, uh, The Pod's Honest Truth. Uh, hello, got a, can I get some money? I said it. I, I should just keep saying it. 
But the beauty of the podcast is that you can hear everything in full, full context. And, of course, that's what Just the News is all about, just kind of laying it out there so you get the full uh, story. I thought what was interesting about David Friedman here is that he talked about the Palestinian people. He understands the Palestinian leadership has no desire whatsoever to negotiate on this. He's hoping that, in essence, there's going to be some sort of, over the next year, two years, possibly up to four years, some sort of Palestinian uprising against the leadership. And if you know, if you look at public opinion polls, as a matter of fact, there was one by the Palestinian Corruption Monitor called Amman. It's the Amman Coalition. 91% of Palestinians actually surveyed said they do not trust the Palestinian Authority. The Trump administration has those numbers. They understand that that is a potential opening uh, for the people to, in essence, uh, kind of start this uh, mini uprising and get the Palestinian leadership to move. Of course, we, we know the Palestinian leadership has corruption problems. Um, they always complain about not having sufficient funds, but let's just go and get right to the facts. Uh, Abbas has, uh, excuse me, Mahmoud Abbas had a house built for about $32 million. He bought a private jet, would have cost about $50 million for that private jet. And by the way, and this went up until 2017, there used to be a an airline called Palestine Airlines, but it went defunct. Still, they were playing, paying 190 uh, employees lots of money on the books, even though th there was no such airline uh, for a while. Palestine Airlines, probably not going to fly that. Um, and by the way, uh, growing up Jewish, being Jewish, uh, probably shouldn't book a ticket on Palestine Airlines. But uh, hey, look, humor, uh, it's humor. Also, you know, I think what's interesting here as well is that if you look at what the Palestinians are upset about, uh, it's pretty fascinating. There was a study by Amman. It's uh, it's a chapter of a, of a Transparency International group. It was co-founded uh, by the country of Jordan. And this is what it shows. Listen to this. The number one cause, according to Palestinians, the number one cause of misery is the inability of leadership to create a strong economy. And then corruption of their leadership is the second most popular cause of misery. Then, then guess what is third? Israeli occupation, as they term it. Israeli occupation comes in third place. So clearly, economy, corruption, these are places that the Trump administration believes they can make some headway uh, on. Uh, and also, look, going deeper inside these numbers, uh, here, here's some truth for you. Uh, according to the United Nations Trade and Development Agency, uh, listen to some of these statistics. Uh, first of all, the Palestinian territories have the highest unemployment rate in the world, 27.4%. Agricultural production uh, falling 11%. And half of, pa of the Palestinians under 30 were unemployed. So you, you get a sense here that there is an opportunity from an economic standpoint. And of course, we know about that $200 million uh, funding gap the United States decided to, as we said earlier, uh, halt funding for the U United States Palestinian Refugee Agency. Uh, and that has to do with right of return and whether or not the, the UN agency should be uh, basically classifying all of these Palestinians as refugees. Uh, Jared Kushner folks are trying to change that, and that's why they stopped the money, but that's a whole other story. Um, so there's, there's all of that. But the bottom line is, look, if we have some balance here, the Palestinian Authority obviously has some disadvantages. It's not a state, obviously. It doesn't have control technically over the territory that it governs. I mean, that's their spin. The Israeli military obviously is the ultimate authority in the West Bank. So they've got to deal with Hamas and, 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 and Gaza and what's going on there. So, so they have a lot of challenges. But the truth of the matter is uh, it is a soft 
situation there economically from a corruption standpoint, and that could be uh, a way to thread the needle and potentially uh, get the Palestinian leadership to come to the table. All right, more with David Friedman when we come back. Imagine this Valentine's Day story is you, okay? Now, picture this. You're, you're parked outside the restaurant. You're meeting your date in 10 minutes, glancing in the mirror, and then you notice your wrinkles and your large under-eye bags, and you rummage through your bag, and you think, where's your secret weapon? And there it is, Plexiderm. So you apply the clear serum under your eyes, and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappear in front of your eyes. You're going to look years younger. So Plexiderm really is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, under-eye bags in minutes. That's right, not hours, minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. So go to triplexiderm.com and enter voices for 50% off plus, that's right, an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter voices at triplexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. What a deal. I mean, this offer only available by calling 100. Oh, let's do it again. I'll do a pickup. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292. And once again, mention code VOICES. Plexiderm, backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So to get my special discount, enter VOICES at, let's all say it together, triplexiderm.com. And welcome back, everybody. We are back on The Pod's Honest Truth, continuing our discussion with U.S. Ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. He brought up an interesting issue of who has sovereignty over the holy sites. Now, that's an issue that's long been under dispute, uh, and the complexity of the issue is really compounded by the geography of the place that gets into the Bible and all of that. Hello, Bible. I've got something to say. Did someone say Bible? All right. Ha have a listen to our conversation as we pick it up here. Help explain a little bit about Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem is the undivided capital of Israel. And yet at the same time, in a two-state solution, East Jerusalem would be the capital of Palestine. So can you kind of explain sure. for people that don't understand the difference? In well, let's be very works. careful about that. The president said Eastern Jerusalem. In Eastern Jerusalem. Now let's just understand the geography okay. of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is an undivided city within a security barrier. And under the Trump plan, that undivided city within the security barrier will be 100% under Israeli sovereignty with the Temple Mount retaining the status quo. Mm -hmm. Beyond the security barrier, you still have municipal Jerusalem. And in that area, there is a territory earmarked for a Palestinian capital. So mm -hmm. to the extent Jerusalem has not been divided, it will remain undivided. There is a small division, but frankly, it doesn't implicate any of the uh, Christian holy sites, any of the Jewish holy sites. All of that, the entire holy basin, will be under Israeli sovereignty. Well, that leads me to my next question, Judea and Samaria. So you're saying these holy sites would be under Israeli sovereignty, yes. obviously. Yes, yes. Right. Um, what about Judea and Samaria and the settlements issue? Obviously, the sticking point all along, or very much one of the major sticking points. Um, th there are folks uh, that will say, from a biblical standpoint, and I know as an Orthodox Jew, and, and Joel 4 talks about, you know, uh, don't divide the land, but there's going to be potential land divide in Judea and Samaria. What's kind of the answer to some folks that, from a faith perspective, from, from an Orthodox sure. perspective? Look, um, the Palestinians have um, economic and civilian autonomy within a defined range. Uh, mm -hmm. Military sovereignty 
uh, is Israel from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. Mm -hmm. uh, from the perspective of uh, the state of Israel, it is not withdrawing from one inch of the, uh, of the territory that's been earmarked for a Palestinian state because, not, not for biblical reasons, although I would support that from a religious perspective, but for life and death reasons, mm -hmm. for real security reasons because security is not a political issue, it's not a game. Uh, this area is in a, in a very volatile part of the world and the last thing, the last thing the world needs, the last thing the region needs is a failed Palestinian state overcome by ISIS or Al-Qaeda or Hezbollah or somebody else. Mm -hmm. So the fact that um, Israel retains its, its military overriding responsibility from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean gives me some comfort both from a, from a political and, and, and security perspective, mm -hmm. but also from a, a religious perspective that there is no retreat by the Jewish state from biblical territory. Mm. Uh, evangelicals and the role they played in this. Uh, talk to me about that uh, as it relates to the Mideast Peace Plan and also your relationship with the evangelical community. I, I know it's a, it's, a, it's a dear one to you. It's a very dear one. Uh, I find uh, an enormous amount that I have in common with evangelical leaders, the evangelical uh, parishioners. Um, they're, they're believers. They believe in something greater than themselves. They believe in the divinity of the land of Israel. And, uh, and I share that view wholeheartedly. They're good people. They're moral people. They, have, uh, they, they run their lives based upon uh, right and wrong, based upon uh, faith, based mm -hmm. upon conscience. It resonates with me, and, I, uh, and I, I enjoy it. And I want to say, in terms of the uh, opportunity that this plan presents to the evangelical community, yeah. you know, Jerusalem has a couple of million uh, tourists every year, right? And, and why is that? Because Israel has already uh, internally um, asserted its sovereignty over Jerusalem for many, many years. And they've opened it up to a beautiful, peaceful, open city where people of all faiths can travel. Now, you look at some of the other biblical sites mm -hmm. in Judea and Samaria. Shiloh, where the tabernacle rested, um, Bethel, where the, Jacob's uh, ladder ascended to the heaven, Hebron, which Abraham purchased for, to bury his wife, and ultimately all the fathers uh, and mothers uh, other than Rachel were, were buried. Kasser Yehud, where John the Baptist baptized Jesus, and Joshua brought the Israelite nation across the Jordan River. It's impossible to get there. They're completely neglected. Why? Because Israel has not yet obtained sovereignty over those territories. If they do, and our plan contemplates that Israel will, you're talking about opening up the Bible, bringing it back to life in ways that I think your listeners could not have even have imagined. I mean, imagine just ease of travel under Israeli civilian uh, autonomy, Hebron, Bethel, Shiloh. I mean, it's, um, it's an opportunity for biblical tourism that I think uh, will, will grow and, and flourish in profound ways. Well, that's a lot to, to take in because David Friedman now getting to the crux of the issue. We're getting into the land of Judea, uh, excuse me, Judea and Samaria. And of course, Judea and Samaria, that's what uh, evangelicals call it. That's what um, uh, Israelis call it, especially ones that are uh, religious and conservative minded or definitely religious minded. Of course, we're talking about the West Bank. Uh, we're talking about uh, East Jerusalem. Uh, but but Judea, uh, Judea and Samaria are the key here. Uh, and this, look, Israel backs the peace plan in principle, and, and why? Because they're gonna have sovereignty over these settlements. Uh, they're gonna have sovereignty 
in the biblical land, if you will. And, you know, um, this has been a major disagreement, obviously, between the two sides. It's always centered on set settlements uh, built by Israelis uh, in those regions. And the international community, of course, says they're illegally occupied by Israel. Palestinians obviously want the land as part of their future state. That's known as the West Bank and others. But uh, for Christians and Jews, it's really a sacred land. It's part of Israel's biblical uh, heartland. So look, when it comes to, let, let's give you a sense of, uh, we, we hear so much about settlements. So how many people are actually, how many Israelis are actually settling uh, in this disputed territory. So in Judea and Samaria, about 405,000 Jewish Israelis live in the West Bank. Uh, that's alongside, by the way, almost 2 million Palestin Palestinians. So you can kind of get a sense uh, there are about 130 West Bank settlements. By the way, we're just talking about the West Bank. We haven't talked about East Jerusalem. That has more settlements. Uh, and, of course, the Golan Heights and, and all of that. But the bottom line is the West Bank, obviously, one of the big controversial uh, areas, uh, East Jerusalem as well. Though I thought it was interesting where he talked about Eastern Jerusalem, uh, that the president said Eastern Jerusalem, not East Jerusalem, because you, you can have an undivided capital of Jerusalem because you've got the security barriers, you've got the holy sites there. In essence, that is Jerusalem. But then you have kind of the municipality of Jerusalem, the outskirts of Jerusalem, kind of on the eastern, not the east, but the eastern side of Jerusalem. And that makes a difference over there. So that's something to, to consider. Look, in terms of evangelicals, I mean, I can add a few things here. I talk to uh, evangelical leaders all the time, uh, prominent evangelical leaders. They have gave quite a bit of input into this plan and guidance as well. They're pleased really with the final result. Uh, they trust Trump, they trust Bibi. Uh, and the fact that Gantz, is, uh, if he becomes the leader over there, uh, prime minister, uh, the fact that he's also supportive of it, uh, I think helped evangelical leaders as, all, uh, as well. Look, there is going to be always uh, uh, some evangelical dissent here, uh, some criticism based on the fact that you shouldn't give any land to the Palestinians uh, in uh, Judea and Samaria because it's biblical land. It's God's land that he gave to the Jews. And that's talked about in, not that we have to get into a Bible lesson here, but in Joel chapter 3 and in the Jewish Bible, uh, Joel chapter 4. And it talks about judgment for dividing God's land. So I think that's some of the concern evangelicals have. But you know what, dot, 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 uh, sorry, but who cares? Uh, the evangelicals are not living over there. The last time I checked, this is between the Israelis. Uh, and the Palestinians, and they're going to have to hash all of that out. Uh, but look, this deal really does ask nothing of the communities in uh, Judea and Samaria, and other proposals in the past did. So it's not like there is a forcible dividing of the land. Israel will have sovereignty, and that's the bottom line here. And I think that's uh, important. Also, uh, something that I, I learned, some evangelical leaders had urged the White House to actually include a path to a Palestinian state and uh, East Jerusalem as the capital. So basically the reason they did that would they could basically try to ease the way for Gulf states uh, to make peace with Israel in the not too distant future because that's kind of the future here. That's kind of the sense that, you know, can Israel get some of the Gulf states, Saudi Arabia, uh, Qatar, Egypt, Jordan, and we can just go on, you know, to, to kind of build a block of support so it'll force Palestinians to the table. So a little f uh, philosophy there. All right, we're back in a moment. We have more from the David Friedman interview. Deborah's home was stolen. No, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. 
Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need Home Title Lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. All right, and we're back to the Pod's Honest Truth. More from our interview with uh, U.S. Ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. All right, uh, before we get to this last clip, I have to say, wait till, wait till you hear what he says at the end. This is about the last minute or so of the interview. Uh, this, this runs about four minutes or so. But the last minute, minute and a half, oh boy, the mainstream media is going to have a field day with this. Here we go. I know there's been some concern about it getting to Bethlehem by, by tourists as well. And sure. All that. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, the, the two last questions. The settlements. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Good, good luck, by the way, because it's, it, it's tough stuff. I mean, what, what, what do you explain people that don't uh, hear this word annexation and settlements and, mm -hmm. and what's the ultimate goal here and why folks in Judea and Samaria should be uh, okay with this plan moving forward? Well, primarily because the plan contemplates that the United States will recognize Israeli sovereignty over all the Jewish communities, all the settlements within Judea and Samaria. So mm -hmm. they will be incorporated into Israel. No one will have to evacuate their homes. They stay put. Stay put. I mean, it's up to them, but right. it's assuming they're happy there. We're happy there. Uh, no one, Jew or Arab uh, or Palestinian, Israeli, would have to uh, li uh, leave their homes. And uh, not only that, but the, the plan, if you look at the map, it's, it's, it's drawn at a scale of 100,000 to one. So it's hard to really get into the details. And we look forward to Israel you know, expanding the map in a way that we can really see it in, in greater detail. But that's the, um, but that, that will provide uh, in places like you know, Ariel or Gush Etzion or Malia Dumim, mm -hmm. uh, the opportunity to really grow and flourish. And they can build there like they build in Tel Aviv. Uh, they should get an architect, they should get a building permit, but beyond that, we're gonna be out of the business, and hopefully the rest of the world will be out of the business mm -hmm. of policing what people do in terms of building in their own communities. You gotta get uh, Saudi Arabia and Jordan, you gotta get some Gulf uh, yep. Arab states. Talk right. to me about the, the crucialness of all that. So, um, we, uh, if you're at the ceremony uh, mm -hmm. yesterday, the ambassadors of the Emirates, Oman and Bahrain were in attendance, mm -hmm. they received a standing ovation. After the plan came out, we got statements from Saudi Arabia, uh, encouraging uh, Israel and the Palestinians to negotiate on this plan under the auspices of the United States. The Emirates were, I think, even stronger. The statement from Morocco was extremely mm -hmm. constructive. Mm -hmm. um, uh, let's understand where we are today. Uh, we've put out a plan that's acceptable uh, in principle to Israel and that has not been rejected and, in fact, has been uh, encouraged to, be, to proceed by some of the major uh, Arab nations. Egypt was constructive, mm -hmm. uh, the EU was, uh, was constructive, the Brits were constructive. So um, the world is, is looking at this and saying, you know, it's a serious plan, it's 80 pages. The Arab Peace Initiative is eight lines. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot here. There's a lot here for everybody. And it will preserve Israel's uh, Jewish democracy, it will preserve Israel's sovereignty over its biblical heartland, mm -hmm. and it will create an opportunity for the Palestinians to live in peace and dignity and prosperity. So we think we threaded the needle. It's a tough needle to thread, but yeah. uh, we'd like to think we got there. Last question on, on this president. What do you, he's done a boatload for Israel, yep. obviously. Um, are you surprised at all by that, or, or maybe pleasantly surprised? And, and that's the first part. The second part is, uh, 
the Israeli transportation minister, I think just recently said he's God's messenger uh, in the White House. I mean, is Trump kind of heaven sent for you guys? Well, look, when it comes to uh, uh, events that transpire, whether it's uh, uh, with regard to Israel or anything else, I mean, I'm, I'm a believer. I believe that God runs the world. Yeah. So that would uh, apply to the president. It would apply to you, me, and, and the cameraman. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's not news to me. Um, mm -hmm. The president supports Israel because I think it fits with his essential uh, understanding of, of who's right and who's wrong, who's uh, surviving against the odds, who's flourishing and creating a democracy in a, in a sea of challenges around it. it, it and, and of course, he has for many years uh, you know, been a, uh, a member of the New York real estate community, which has a lot of Jewish people and a lot of pro-Israel people. He's surrounded himself with uh, from Jared to uh, to me to our vice president, our secretary of state. Um, these are Israel's best friends. But above them all, president has really been Israel's best friend. And just to clarify, we say it's not news to you. You're talking about kind of a you know God puts people in certain places for certain times, kind of a, for such a time as this. Uh, I think God puts people in places for certain times at all times. Mm. And Trump is Exhibit A of this. He sure is. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, David. Well, there you have it, the for such a time as this question. You know, I tell you what, it's kind of become my signature question at the Christian Broadcasting Network. I always ask, in, especially when it comes to Donald Trump, uh, was Donald Trump put in the White House for such a time as this? Uh, you know, I did that with Sarah Sanders, uh, and she said yes. I did it with uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo when I interviewed him in Jerusalem about a year ago. He said yes. And here we are, David Friedman. The answer, ding, 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 yes, that's the right answer. And, and, and here's, the, here's why it's the right answer, because if you come at it from a Christian or, in David Friedman's case, an Orthodox Jewish standpoint, um, that, that is the prevailing biblical thought, that God is in control of all things. Uh, and if God is in control of all things, then guess what? God's in control of the pod's honest truth. God's in control of, of, of Donald Trump in the White House. And yes, by the way, Donald, or excuse me, uh, he's also in control of the fact that Barack Obama was put in place by God to be president of the United States. Look, you can't have it both ways. Last time I checked, uh, God wasn't a Republican or a Democrat. And, and the, where evangelicals get their biblical wisdom on this from is Romans 13, uh, specifically Romans 13, one, it says there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So evangelicals take that to the bank, and that is that. I do have to say one thing quickly on settlements, because he did mention settlements, uh, the ambassador did. And I have a unique view on this, uh, and what I mean by that is I I've seen both sides of this. Look, I have an uncle. Uh, I told you I grew up Jewish. I have an uncle uh, who is an Orthodox Jew, uh, Zionist at heart, you know, go and settle as much as you can and, and all of that. And then I have um, a Jewish mother, uh, a bit liberal. I'm sorry, let me take the word bit out of there. Really liberal, uh, Jewish as well. Uh, hello, she's my mother. Um, and in her case, it's more of a sympathy, more of an understanding of the Palestinian situation and kind of in that AOC, Ilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib uh, viewpoint of somewhat of an occupation of that territory, both Jewish, but seeing it from a different standpoint because one is liberal and reform, the other one is orthodox and conservative. So uh, that kind of gives you a sense of, of how that plays out a bit in the Jewish community. But the truth of the matter is, 
Uh, most American Jews are liberal, uh, so most are going to view this as uh, th these moves by Netanyahu. Uh, they're not in favor of the settlements, and I think that should be uh, pointed out as well. All right, well, look, that uh, does it for the Pod's Honest Truth. I mean, that, that, that's the interview. That's all I've got. I'm literally out of breath, and that means we'll have to send in some oxygen at some point because, uh, you know, I'm exhausted. I do get paid by the word, so I'll just keep talking. No, I won't. Your, your commute's probably over. As a matter of fact, if you're still listening to this, God bless you. Bless your heart, as they say in the South. Uh, many thanks, by the way, to CBN for the interview. Check back here. More great interviews, analysis about the news. Top newsmakers will do everything. And you can find the Pod's Honest Truth on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anywhere you get your podcast, possibly a Taco Bell. I don't know. I like Taco Bell. Maybe you won't get them there. Uh, don't forget to rate the show. Leave a review. You can also find me on justthenews.com. I'm there along with other great podcasts, uh, investigative reports. We've talked about John Solomon. Cheryl Atkinson is, is up there. Uh, and more. That is it for now. Episode two in the books. We're back. We just keep coming back. You can't get where we're like whack-a-mole. It's like the Pod's Honest Truth whack-a-mole show. I'm David Brody. You've been listening to the Pod's Honest Truth. <laughs>